0: The Gospel Shaped Home podcast is a family discipleship resource from Providence Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina that aims to equip you and your family to be on mission with God to the end of the street and the ends of the earth. Welcome back to another episode of Gospel Shaped Home. I'm Andy Owens, pastor of Family Discipleship, and today I'm joined by Mark Saloria. Mark, welcome. Thanks, Andy. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Uh, glad to have you here, brother. Tell us a little bit about your family real quick, just for folks who don't know.
1: Yeah, my name is Mark Salori. I'm the worship pastor here at Providence, of course, but uh, my wife, Tangie, uh, we have been married for 22 wonderful years. Uh, I have two God. daughters, uh, uh, Abigail, just graduated high school, going to college in the fall. So pray for me and then uh, get to do it all over again. I've got a 12-year-old, uh, Isabel, so two beautiful daughters.
0: Yes, and uh you know we often think of someone in the context through which we primarily know them, and a lot of you all probably know Mark mostly through his you know role of of leading our church and musical worship, and we're very thankful for that, but I did actually get to see him last summer in a in a different role, get to see him as dad. We were at student ministry summer camp, and there was a talent show the um one night, and Mark happened to be there that night, and his girls were going to sing a song, a duet together. And they um I don't know exactly what happened, they stumbled a little bit and had to stop and they were gonna to try to start over and there was clearly some just nerves and anxiety and um everyone was kinda of quiet and then Mark just walked up there, put his arms around his girls, hugged them close and uh and he kinda of gently just he, he whispered something to him and then he started singing with them and got them over whatever musical hurdle there was at the beginning of the song and they they blew it out it was a great a great song and it was just a pretty sweet moment to get to see our brother mark caring for and loving his daughters in that way so
1: It's funny the girls don't remember that with a lot of fondness. (laughs) Really? Well, they they were embarrassed. Maybe maybe just the parents in the room really. Years from now, years from now, they'll think back and they'll probably have more of an appreciation for that moment.
0: It was sweet. It was. It was. Well, today we're talking about chapter nine of Paul Tripp's book Parenting, and it's about foolishness. Now, when we we use the adjective foolish, we typically use it to describe. Uh, Actions or words or choices, uh, which it certainly can and does and should at times. But uh, in this chapter, Paul Tripp is really talking about how foolishness describes our hearts. And the reason that's so important, Proverbs 4 23, it's one of the places he starts in the chapter. It says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So our heart is, in a sense, the causal core of our personhood. It's the place from which all of our words and actions and thoughts flow. And uh, But that, that's not the only truth that we need to say. The other is from Proverbs 22, verse 15, folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. So not only are our hearts the causal center uh, from which all of our actions, behaviors, Flow, it's also uh, warped and intertwined with sin and foolishness, and and um, and it goes astray. So, Mark, let's dive into this discussion by asking the question um, how does Paul Tripp describe foolishness in this chapter?
1: Well, I think uh, he uses Psalm 53, just goes right to the Bible. Uh, Psalm 53 says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. Um, and then, of course, that passage goes on to say, they have all fallen away together. They have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So really no one escapes this in a sense. There are times where we function as if in our hearts there is no God. So we disobey.
0: He's not disobey. talking about like formal atheism right. as a, uh, a worldview. Right. Probably more like functional
1: atheism. Like we, when we function in that way, when we step outside of God's law and outside of his wisdom and try to do things on our own.
0: Yeah. He says that it's the uh, street level uh, our propensity and our children's propensity to live as if God doesn't exist, right? right to deny right, right. his authority, his wisdom, his power, and to deny our need for his grace. It's when we put ourselves at the center right. of the world. So now he, he he makes several helpful points in this chapter. One of them, though, is that, you know, there's a right tendency that, that we as parents have to want to protect our children from destructive influences, right? Mm-hmm. Out there in the culture, there are a lot of of destructive uh, ideas and um, and influences, and we want to uh, guard them. But uh, he he's he gives a warning against what he calls monastic parenting. What what's he talking about?
1: So I guess monastic, as in monasteries. Uh, obviously, the idea that we would cloister—big word there—ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that that we would separate ourselves from the world, and in so doing, we remove. Temptation and sin and evil, but of course, sin is inside of us, and so we can bring our children into some sort of proverbial wall. But the root problem in all of us dwells within our hearts, our sinful hearts.
0: Yeah. So no matter no matter how many barriers we erect, right. there is still an enemy within right. uh, that, that that you know lies close at hand, and that we as parents have to help our children. Recognize and deal with through God's grace. So um, he gives a couple practical applications of of this reality. Um, You know, on page one twenty six, he he says we've really got to first and foremost remind ourselves, again and again, that the heart is where everything stems from. And when we see our kids' refusal to eat vegetables or whatever it is they want to eat eggs, sometimes in our family, Um, when our we have battles over what to wear or whether or not to clean up and when to clean up and, and who to spend time with and with telling the truth, all of these things are flowing from a heart that is bound up with folly. And so he says, we've got to remember that real change travels through the pathway of the heart. Right. Um, so he says that, you know, he, he kind of talks multiple times. throughout this, uh, this book about opportunities, right? Uh, how, how, discipline uh, is is not just, hey, we want to correct the behavior, but we we discipline and pair it with instruction, right? Every moment of discipline is accompanied with instruction where we try to help our kids see what's going on in their hearts. Um, Any thoughts, Mark, on how we do that well? How do we help our kids recognize where all this stuff is coming from? It doesn't do a lot of good for us just to know it and them not to ever see it.
1: Right. Just something that pops in my mind, um, something that I think all of us parents have done when we get frustrated with our kids is to ask really proverbially, uh, you know, what were you thinking? And of course, the poor kid has no chance if they were to answer. Honestly, you know, there's no answer we're going to be satisfied with. But if we would truly ask, that's really the heart of discipline yeah. is to understand, help the kid to understand. Where that action stems from, and to, and to drive that conversation back to the gospel and our need for repentance and for Jesus. And so I think that's just one practical thing that pops in my mind.
0: Yeah, that's good. And he says at the top of page 127 in these moments when you're, you're disciplining, but you're also instructing and helping them to, to recognize where this stuff is coming from, he says, ask questions, mm-hmm. tell stories, give illustrations, anything you can do to get the child to step out of himself to quit defending himself, and to look into and examine his heart. And it makes me think of 2 Samuel 12, where you know David has just committed adultery with Bathsheba. He's just had her husband Uriah the Hittite murdered, and the prophet Nathan comes to him, and rather than just saying, you committed adultery, you committed murder, he tells him a story. right? He tells him a story about a poor man who has one lamb. He treats it like his own child. It sleeps in the house with him. A rich man, he has countless lambs, but he has a guest and he doesn't want to kill one of his own. So he takes this lamb from the poor man and serves it up for dinner. And David's incensed. He's outraged. And uh, he says, the man who's done this deserves to die. And that's when Nathan says, you're the man. You've done it. And so, you know, we can be creative and help use stories, use illustrations to help our kids see what's going on in their own hearts. It's good. What should we not do, Mark?
1: Uh, I would say, uh, uh, cr- correct without instruction. I mean, it really just to, uh, to, uh, assert authority without, uh, a love for the child, right? Like God always disciplines us. The Bible says who I re- the love I rebuke and chasten." but it's always with the purpose of rebuilding.
0: Discipline. So exactly.
1: Yeah. And so yeah. discipline with love.
0: Yeah. And, and you, you, uh, you know, uh, the idea of threatening, manipulating, making our kids feel guilty. These are all, I think we talked about in another chapter. He called them power tools, earthly power tools. But those are ways we, you know, kind of like you're saying, when we only discipline and don't instruct and don't seek to engage them at a heart level, we're just addressing the behavior. That's right. We're not going after the
1: them. lasting change the source. Yeah. Right.
0: So um, he kind of concludes this chapter with four words that should guide our, engagement with our kids uh, in light of these realities. And the first one is glory. What's he getting at there, brother?
1: So the idea of glory, uh, just to, to, not even in corrective moments, but just kind of just uh, uh, dripping that throughout every conversation we have, just to point out God's glory uh, in, in creation. Obviously, this is something we do a lot with our children when they're three. You know, we talk about, look at that, God created that. But then somewhere along the way, we maybe stop that. that it yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we, we move into ethical kind of conversations, but, but like just to understand that God is glorious and he's created all things for the purpose of his glory and that uh, his glory is, is, good for, you know, for our good. I think that's an important uh, part of laying a foundation for corrective moments.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately we want them to be blown away by right. his glory, to be that's in good. all of him and to see him as stunning and as desirable above everything else. and um, right. you know, this connected to the essence of who we are. We're made to be worshipers and right. we want to help them worship the right thing. Namely, yeah, God. Right. Okay. Second word is wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's his kind of main idea there?
1: Just, just that uh, God's wisdom is better than than our wisdom. Obviously, uh, somewhere along the way, our children become willful and, and uh, we, we all have that issue where we want to be free. And uh, we need to teach our children that there is freedom in God's law, his law is perfect. And so it's never restrictive. And so to, to contrast the destructive behavior of our folly with God's constructive blessing, uh, through his wisdom.
0: Yeah. The, the beauty, the goodness, the protection of God's wisdom. I mean, uh, I think somewhere early on in the Bible, there was some fruit that was desirable to make one wise, right? Apart from God, the desire to be wise. And, and that's, um, you know, we all struggle with that. We want to go our own way and, and, uh, we want to help our kids see that, no, actually God He even puts fences up around things to protect beautiful and precious things. So, uh, That's good. third word is story. He's talking about the gospel story. That's right. what, what's his big just, idea there?
1: Yeah. Just to always make that, uh, just as a coach constantly, uh, reiterates the importance of dribbling or, shooting the free throw, the fundamental of the Christian faith is the gospel, the reality that we're sinners and that God sent a savior in Jesus Christ. And so let's never tire of, of going back to that. And let's never assume that our children have it and, uh, that they're, that's not something that they need to continue to hear. All of us need to speak the gospel into our hearts and into our children every day.
0: Yeah. So our kids need to, uh, hear from us that the death, the resurrection of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins in his name is the delight of our heart. It's the center of our life and, and to see it uh, giving shape to, to everything. So they they need to hear this story and, and learn to see all the other stories and their story in light of that story. And then finally, welcome. Uh, welcome here. He's, he's really getting at more the attitude with which we approach our kids, which you kind of indicated earlier. You kind of addressed a little bit earlier. But, you know, if we're representing a God who's extending grace, uh, we should be gracious, right? right. We, we don't just come with a heavy hand. We come with, with yeah. tenderheartedness and gentleness like the, the Savior who doesn't, you know, he doesn't snuff out a smoldering wick. He doesn't crush a bruised reed. He is tender in his invitations to us, and we should represent him like that in the way we address our kids' sin and disobedience. Right.
1: If we want the truth to take root, uh, you know, we have to deliver it in such a way that our children trust and believe, hey, this is for my good. That's right. And so uh, one thing he says that just is practical and helpful, don't yell at your children, lead them to confession. Imagine if every corrective moment was for the purpose of confessing sin and repenting and you know, reconstructing relationship instead of uh, guilt and manipulation, as you mentioned, and threatening, yeah. things like that.
0: And I don't know about you, but typically I'm not led to repentance uh nearly as well by someone getting in my face and raising right. their volume as I am by a, a gentle and loving... Right.
1: uh His uh, kindness leads us aboard. to repentance. That's yeah. right.
0: That's yeah. right. So really that brings us to the end of the chapter, which is where every chapter kind of ends, which is, hey, we have the same issue. We also have folly bound up in our hearts and we need the wisdom of God, just like our kids do. And we're going to give them God's wisdom uh, more effectively, more faithfully when we recognize how dependent we are ourselves. That's good. Yeah. Mark, any last words for our listeners?
1: No, just uh, just just be in prayer and just remember uh, that it's all about the gospel. Everything, if we would just consider that, I think that we'll be better parents. Yeah. That's what we're here to do is to instill that into their hearts. Yeah.
0: So we hope that, this is an encouragement to you and hope that you are reminded even as we wrap up that that throne of grace is available for you today and every day. Um, he loves to, for us to come and to ask him to give his mercy and grace to help in time of need. Thanks for joining today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast, produced by Providence Baptist Church of Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and resources from Providence, visit us online at pray.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts.